0: Welcome to the Old World Podcast, the unofficial podcast for Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and the original podcast to bring you both discussion and actual play in WFRP 4th Edition. I'm one of your hosts, Lance, and I'm joined today by my co host Steve and Matt. How are you gentlemen doing?
1: Doing well, doing well, Lance. Excited to talk about some Warhammer Fantasy and other things?
0: I feel the same way. It's a good day. Excellent. What have we been doing this month? Game wise,
1: what have we been doing? We have started a campaign of Warhammer 40K battles. A tale of four gamers.
0: It's true, we we do dabble in both sides of the the universe, the 40K and the fantasy. Our our love may be in fantasy, but sometimes you just gotta go shoot some las guns. Yeah, it's been it's been very fun.
1: I have never gotten into tabletop miniatures games at all the closest thing that i've ever done to that is hero which is a i mean it is a miniatures game but it's definitely on like the lightest possible end that is to this day one of my favorite games of all time so this just like getting into warhammer fantasy has been a new experience this has also been a new experience for me Awesome.
2: Oh, well, definitely glad that start starting to play 40k. Yeah. I mean, we Lance and I we haven't played in years and years and oh, years. So we're just getting back into it. We're starting fresh armies, and uh, it's been fun so far. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. It's a cool thing. It's cool to dabble a little. Get get back in yeah. there. Prices are a little bit more than when I originally yeah. got in. But...
2: Somehow prices rose in the last decade. <laughs> so does <laughs> I, I, inflation I,
1: exist? <laughs> I, I will say that. All of the 40k products are expensive. Like, it, it, there's not no such thing as a cheap Warhammer 40k model. But I will say that the start collecting sets that Games Workshop puts out are phenomenal. To be honest, if it wasn't for the fact that I was able to get a Skitari start collecting box, I probably wouldn't have financially been able to get into this the way I wanted to.
0: Right, right. So well, it, plus in the quality of the models is, I've yet to see a miniature that has been done at the level that. citadel and games workshop does it's amazing
1: there's no question there it's Mm -hmm. phenomenal it's amazing we
2: just got started uh with this tale for gamers we're not doing points wise we're kind of keeping this lights we're doing by power levels about every three months we're gonna have a little battle so it's gonna be a slow paced adventure and uh, that's the way to really get into into these things is
1: kind of just pace it out
2: if you're you're brand new into it that way it doesn't hurt your wallet too hard too fast to start small and work your way up
1: it's been really fun i will also say that i've never been into model building or painting before but man i absolutely was shocked by how easy it was to paint miniatures learning how to paint has been a much easier process than i ever expected and if you follow the easy you know the the little steps of priming basing washing and then highlighting they turn out looking awesome Washing, and it, it just man. yeah, washing like that is man. Godsend. My eyes are open. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I have seen the light. That's changed my entire world. Yeah, <laughs> that's what my models are. Yeah,
2: yeah. For your first time painting, man, your models turned out great. I appreciate they it. Did. Uh, I hopefully, appreciate it. if we can, I'm not sure how it would ever work out, but maybe we'll get some pictures of of our games. Kind of
0: show you how our evolution of our forces. Yeah,
2: you know, and kind of yeah. just show like little battle pictures.
1: Sure. Of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. go
0: some pictures. All right. Announcements and news. This is a part of the show where we keep you up to date on 4th edition and related news. So I think we got uh, some cool stuff coming from Cubicle 7.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Specifically, Warhammer Fest just wrapped up a few days ago, about a week or so ago by now, I think. Information, maybe not quite as much as we'd hoped, but we did get some (sighs) information that's very exciting. Specifically, the combat system. They let us know that the system is designed to have something happen with every role, which is something that I... If you listen to Episode Zero, you know that my background in, in RPG gaming is mainly in the Star Wars Edge of the Empire mm-hmm. series. The the dice system, the narrative dice system in that, which is now called the... Genesis. Genesis. Right. That's right. right. That is something that I absolutely adored about that game, is that even if you roll and you fail a roll, something awesome could happen. I mean, it, it, so in that system you've got success and fail. You've got Threat and advantage, and then you have despair and triumph. So even if you fail a roll, but you have to get a triumph in there as well, you missed your shot, but you hit a control panel on the back wall that kills the power, that gives you advantage and everybody advantage on their next attack, or right, you know, right, some any number of things. So. I'm a
0: huge fan of that system too, and I've actually I've read a lot of the or there's a lot of people out there that aren't a huge fan of that type of. They run it just a yes or no, which. It looks like Cubicle Seven's kind of built that in too, but I'm excited to find out what they have in store more specifically for combat because that's really all they've told us so far is that something will happen on every role, which I'm excited about. Right. And I, I definitely understand too that
1: the the veterans, the experienced role playing gamers, are gonna they're they're used to that, so they know that if they fail a role, it's it's not just a fail that they can they can describe it how they how they will. But the Genesis system for me and for a lot of the people that I game with, not being experienced gamers helps us understand how to describe what's happening, how right within the check, it's not just a pass or a fail. It's, you know, it lets you be a little bit more creative and it, it helps you with that creativity instead of just, oh, I, I need to roll a 14. I didn't roll a 14 or whatever.
0: Right. And hopefully Cubicle 7 in the in the core rulebook, book, actually, I'm expecting they'll have an a in-depth description of the different ways that right. you can do the tests and stuff. Right.
1: for sure. Another thing, the careers are going to be focused on a new mech- uh, mechanic called ambitions. So I'm, ambitions are like a personal goal that you have that your character is working towards.
0: I'm actually really excited about this. So one of the things I feel like some of the previous editions, first and second for sure, Missed the boat boat on, and this is maybe just because they're more of an age system. Is the character motivation standpoint sometimes so good role players don't have a problem with this, so they'll, they'll have they'll, their characters will have motivations right. easy, no, nothing right. down, but they'll, they'll develop a, a strong backstory, and yeah, right, right. So, having a mechanic to help that along is something that I found to be very helpful especially in newer systems especially more the narrative systems where they help they give you something to to bite on to chew on as you're getting your character on its feet until you identify or help make your character your own and this is something i'm very excited so it sounds like they've done a big part of the character creation like on this ambitions and i cannot wait to learn more about it
1: right absolutely Uh, another thing the expected races for the core set is going to be uh, human, dwarf, elf, and halfling, which is not anything that we right. we didn't expect. So standard. <laughs> it's pretty standard, yeah. But they did confirm that there will be more races available in future expansions, which is great. Right. Obviously, there's a whole lot more going on in the Warhammer world, and, and being able to explore that more in a playable character is really exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm honestly... And I, I want to see a lot of different stuff. I am totally cool with pretty much anything from a character standpoint. Give me you know, lizardman to play as a character, yeah, you know, right. and in second edition, you could even do Skaven. They yeah. have whole Skaven careers and everything. And I yeah. am super stoked about that, too. I would love to play like a Goblin Shaman or something. Right. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But to be honest, what I most want to see is I most want to see the careers we have now, but more character races where they're more expanded into. I don't want to just play an elf. I want to play a Dark Elf or yeah. an Ulth Elf or, sure. you know, something that gets you more into various like races that might be a little different than your vanilla elf dwarf human kind right. of thing.
1: Well, they did say uh, there there was a confirmation of an expeditionary approach to Lustria and discussion of Dark Elf politics and Ulth uh, there's no word if these will be three separate expansions or if they'll be combined. So if you didn't hear
0: that, that's because I was just drooling. Because right. that those are exactly what I wanted to hear coming out of Cubicle Seven. Those are big pieces that were kind of a lot of people believe were missed, especially in Second Edition. They right. were like where where's Lustria? Where's the the source book on Elves and Dwarves? Because those would, like never came. Yeah, super excited to hear that news. Right.
1: More artwork. Oh, they're dropping it pretty quickly,
0: and it's looking great. Yeah that that boat. It was just amazing yeah. but but then the new one that just came out the walking away from the burning windmill with yeah. the oh yeah the the scarecrow and it like had a sword through its head and what what did it say like um stay away or go go yeah, away go i think away. it was go yeah, away yeah. like oh yeah that just right there that that artwork just pulled me into what the warhammer world already absolutely now. and that's
1: you know artwork might not seem like a whole lot in in game you're not seeing it necessarily but having that it definitely helps set the scene right you get the feel for what the warhammer world is and
0: right but see i can you can even as a gm every time i see a piece of artwork i look at it with my like gm goggles and so i just go wow i have an entire adventure based on that picture absolutely
1: absolutely (laughs) i'll do the same thing and i I even like to have a when i'm when i'm gming i'll have my ipad set up to the side facing the players Uh uh-huh and i'll just have a series of images on there so when they enter a new location or a or whatever i just flip over to that picture so that they can see it and that that helps right get you in the the mood the moment yeah exactly sets the scene
0: it's a game of words but those pictures can really yeah so that's that's awesome
1: so some more uh, details on the three ways that a gm can call for a check so one of them is based on the character's abilities which does not require a role
0: This is really interesting because this is kind of GMing, testing 101, but new GMs will never get this. It's never really pointed out all that well in a lot of – there may be like one sentence or one paragraph that says, hey, if it's a simple thing that they shouldn't fail, don't test for it. And I can tell you as a new GM, I made that mistake a lot.
1: Right absolutely yeah Yeah. you'd think that you need to ask for a check on everything when that's not always the case if you've got somebody who's extremely agile they don't need to roll a check to jump onto a set of boxes
0: right exactly exactly you have a 70 percent agility um i'm gonna need you to test to step over that mud pedal like yes no (laughs) no right
1: it can be fun to make them do that and if they fail then you've got something even more exciting on your hands but that's not always always the best so that's that's the first way. The second way is a simple roll, which does require a check. Uh, in this case, it is just a pass or fail using the D100 system.
0: Right. So standard second edition, first yeah. edition stuff.
1: The third one, which is the one that I'm most excited about, is the dramatic test, which has various levels of success or failure, which sounds a little bit like the second edition degrees of success, but the mechanics weren't specifically spelled out for us.
0: I'm a little disappointed. I wanted a little more information here. But what makes me think this is not going to be exactly like second edition is where they keep saying over and over again, in combat, you won't just roll and miss. Something's going to happen. Right. So those degrees of success aren't really built into combat. So I'm thinking it's going to be a little more. Very cool. Hopefully.
1: Yeah. They also said there will be another preview coming out soon that's going to be featuring combat. So it's possible that that'll release by the time you're hearing this, but... Rest assured, you'll you'll hear all about that on our next Right, next for episode. sure. I want more. I want yeah.
0: more. Cubicle 7 is, so they opened the floodgates and then they like slammed them back down. Mm. But like not all the way. It's well, a trickle. It's a, it's a trickle. Yeah, right, a trickle. exactly. It's yeah. so like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah,
1: so our next little bit of news is really fascinating and uh, unfortunate, I think. Is
0: probably a word I would use to describe that. So us in America, we see this on the news and stuff like that, but it's not something that's like affecting our lives directly in a lot of ways. And that's the new law over in the EU, the GDPR law, the privacy law for the internet. And there's a whole lot of debate. I mean, we're not going to get into that, but the idea it sounds good. Problem is, is that Cubicle Seven announced their forums that they're going to have to close down their own forums because I'm assuming it's the cost that would be associated with trying to meet the requirements of the law. Right. And that is really, really too bad. I I fully believe that the best place for those forums, at least currently, is on their website. And I I am hoping that Cubicle Seven maybe Finds a way to either make this temporary or maybe reopen their forums once they can find a right. way to make it financially. Or I don't, I don't know what the laws or the geopolitical stuff is over there. Right. So maybe once the regulation hits and it's all figured out, the risk right. will once be the, understood. The dust settles better. A bit. Yeah, and yeah. then they can say, okay, here's what we can do. This won't be as expensive as we needed. But anyway, that's a piece of news that I was just sad to hear. And yeah
1: that that news just came recently so Mm -hmm. i feel like in the coming days and weeks we're gonna you, you know across the forums that are that we you know are still open there's gonna be a lot of discussion on this and i feel like it's gonna be very there's gonna be a lot of people who are very passionate about this topic and rightfully so
0: right and and the, the kicker is, is I was one of those people on Cubicle 7's news forum saying, you know, where's our fourth edition forum? Where is it? Where's the, yeah. f- I, I, want, yeah. I want, I want that. And they're I'm like, sure oh, they, it'll come. The whole and then time. it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, do. except we're shutting the whole thing down. Right, so.
1: right. Well, you can always find more information at Cubicle Seven's website at www.cubicle7.co.uk. The forums there are only going to be open for a little form, while. but That forum
0: link ain't going to work after May 24th, yeah, FYI. Right.
1: But they they still obviously have a wealth of information on their website outside of their forum. So definitely check them out.
0: Excellent. Before we get on to the rest of our show here, there's one thing that I wanted to correct here. The witch hunters, they came to my house and they showed me the error of my ways as I missed something in our show notes on the last show, our last show, we missed talking about the halflings. I have no idea how that happened. You know, Lance, just because halflings are shorter doesn't
1: mean they don't deserve
0: Well, here's the thing. What I think happened is there was some sort of elector count that was really upset because the halflings have a vote <laughs> as an elector count, and they didn't think that was right. They took it out of my show notes. Got it. And then they hired a halfling to steal it because they they are so good at moving sure. silently. That's what I think happened. Sure. That, I mean, that's got to be. That's the only only reasonable explanation. <laughs> right. All that aside, let's real quick talk a little bit about Halflings in the Warhammer world, because they are a race that everyone needs to know. Um, And they've been one of the four starting player races in every edition of this game. So you definitely need to know about them. Here's the thing. In a nutshell, Halflings are very similar to Hobbits. Sure. Right. In In Tolkien's work, they're different, but that's a great place to start from. They are shorter. They have a love of hearth and home. Like, those are a lot of the similarities between, you know, hobbits that you would see. A lot of people think that they're just basically war members' version of hobbits. But there are some major differences, too. For one thing, they live in a place in the empire called the Moot. It's like a rich area of farmland, it's the southeastern part of the empire. And it technically doesn't go fealty to a province, an individual province of the empire. So the empire is built into provinces. They're almost like their own province. As I alluded to before, they actually have a vote as an elector count, the the leader of the halflings. But they don't actually report to an individual province in the empire. So it's just a weird—when we're talking about that weird geopolitical stuff, this is part of it. And so as part of that independence, like I said, they had an elector count. This is really cool because it said— Emperor Ludwig the Fat was so impressed by Halfling's culinary expertise that he granted them their land and gave them elector. There's a whole lot of history in the empire, and that's something that the Halflings like to bring up a lot. That hey, one of your emperors gave us the the vote. Right. Anyway, they're generally very peaceful folk. They prefer their homeland to the wider world and generally preferring to stay there. Their land is generally considered part of the breadbasket of the empire. So they are very good cooks. They have a lot of love of food and all that kind of stuff as well.
1: So the more I'm learning about halflings, the more I feel like that's got to be my next character. When fourth edition hits that uh, Uh, my my first character is going to be a
0: halfling. This, I'm telling you, they're they're really cool. So they, they here's some other stuff that they share, right? So they can also walk silently in the woods, just like a Tolkien Hobbit, you know. Sure. But this is interesting, too. They actually serve as scouts and cooks in the Imperial armies. Don't you think that they're just like these weakling guys that hide in their own land of the moot? They actually take an active role in, in sure. defending the Empire. Yeah. They're very good with bows and slings. A lot of times you'll see halflings as sneaky characters. And, and then the halflings that generally leave the moot are more adventurous type. They've gotten kind of a bad reputation in the rest of the Empire where they can't trust a halfling. They're they're sneaky. They'll pick your pocket, you know, kind right. of thing. And then they'll, they'll get kind of put in these different roles. You've even heard of halflings make excellent nannies for my kids, like if I'm a oh, rich yeah. selector or something sure. like that. But my personal favorite thing about halflings... Is meat pies. (laughs) So here's the thing meat pies are a delicacy that is amazing and tastes great, but only makes you sick some of the time. Right. It's always a joke. You'll read through any of the material on halflings and stuff, and eventually you'll talk about meat pies. You'll talk about how amazing they are, and they're sold by vendors on street corners and then questionable where the meat comes from. And they're delicious, right? As long as you're not like puking your guts out a little bit later. So. (laughs) That's excellent. That's halflings in a nickel. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, the uh, witch hunters, excuse me. Right. No, yeah, They're we've, not we've, really
1: known for that, but.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've we've redeemed ourselves, if yeah. only slightly. All right. So, on to the rest of our show.
2: You can hire a town crier, or you can follow us at Twitter at Old World Podcast, or on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Old World Podcast.
0: So guys, we are going to get on to the main topic, the meat of the show, if you will. Today is our last episode in our series of episodes focused on giving players a brief overview of the Warhammer world. We've attempted to explain what it is to immerse yourself in Warhammer and how it's different than a lot of other settings. In episode one, we reviewed the overall history and feel of the world. In episode two, we talked about magic and technology. And in Episode 3, we discussed the races and monsters of the Warhammer world. In today's show, we're going to be giving you a brief overview of chaos and religion in Warhammer. If magic is what defines the Warhammer world, then chaos is a sea of life and death which the world floats upon, at the mercy of the waves and storms of insanity. Again, while today's show topic and the first four episodes as a whole are dedicated towards listeners who probably don't have a deep knowledge of the world, we think it is a great review for anyone who maybe hasn't delved into the setting for a while. So sit back and enjoy as we take you on a tour of what insanity really means in tonight's episode of the Old World Podcast.
1: So we've, we've said this before and we're going to say it again. And that is that the Warhammer world is, is massive and rich, diverse, has all sorts of content and is constantly growing. So that being said, we are going to do our best when I say we, I mean Stephen Lance more than anything else. are going to do our best to be as accurate as possible when giving this information out. Uh, but it's it's likely that we're going to make mistakes. So if we do make mistakes, we apologize.
0: All right. So what is chaos? That's where we got to start. And this is probably the best question in everything we're going to talk to tonight. And it's probably the hardest one to really answer. Chaos is a word which usually describes like an evil, corrupting force that mutates and changes. This force is a force that manifests itself on a spiritual, dimensional plane known as the realm of chaos. And we've talked about this in our earlier episodes where the the realm of chaos was accessed by the collapsing gates, like on the, the poles of the world. So that in ether, the realm of chaos, it's magic, it's pure energy through that energy and magical form where everything comes to be demons insanity i'm having a heck of a time explaining it but it's hmm. chaos is chaotic for for lack of a better yeah term. Oh, yeah, yeah oh, no right? for sure yep. it's it's also the source of the winds of magic right so we talked about that in the magic episode the realm of chaos is where magic comes from and this immaterial realm where Reality and fantasy is mixed together it it's so difficult to explain. How would you explain it, Steve?
2: I would explain it pretty much like you were saying It's kind of the dimension of pure magic and pure energy. Your thoughts can actually become a real thing it's it, where magic's pulled from
0: it's corrupting. everything that chaos touches becomes corrupted yes and in,
2: yes, in some way, like um, mutating yeah and- you know. <laughs> Really hard to explain because it's so vast in that dimension, like anything's possible, yet it's mostly you would think magic and pure. It's pure, but no, no, it's being lived in by other beings.
1: As you guys are describing this, the thing that's coming to my mind is from the movie Event Horizon, 28 Days Later. Event Horizon, that's another great example.
0: A lot of people believe the Event Horizon is chaos that the yeah. writers were directly referencing yeah. chaos. and they well, basically did. Huh? That's,
1: yeah. I love that movie, and I am probably going to watch it tonight. It's and you know what? <laughs> that gave me nightmares when I was seven or eight, and it's probably going to give me nightmares tonight.
2: And that explains, that's a good explanation, because the ship actually went to the, this kind of this realm, and yeah. who knows what it brought back or got what tainted by it. Yeah. Right? You know, that's the same thing with the realm of chaos. Like, you may not actually be in the realm of
0: chaos, but if you're pulling things from it, it's going to taint you in some yeah. way,
2: unless you know how to protect yourself. Right. right.
0: And that's exactly what happens with the Chaos Waste on the northern part of the Warhammer world. The closer you get to that gate, the more mutated and warped land and and tainted it becomes. And just by being there, whether the tribes that live even on the edge of the the waste become mutated and and tainted. Extra
2: limbs, um, different powers, maybe more strength. All the trees might eat
1: you. So you can defend yourself against it, but if you don't, bad things
0: are going to happen. Right. Just even being in the presence of something chaos-tainted can just end up being bad news. It's rough. And there's a whole lot of theories. We're not going to go super deep into this, you know, how chaos really works and and manifests and stuff. But one of the things that it does do is the entities or things that are within it, like gods and stuff like that, demons— that are there, where they came from or if they started in the in Materium or, or were there because of reality inflicting itself upon the realm of chaos, nobody really knows.
2: Yeah, that, I mean, it's like a timeless realm where who knows if it started off as something pure and simple but got corrupted and eventually stronger beings kind of got to a certain amount of power. That's where we'll begin to talk about the dark gods and the ruinous powers. There are main gods for chaos. Usually are if you're a worshiper of chaos or just part of it, you're you pretty much fall in line under one of these. There's corn. That's a chaos god of bloodlust, war, death, blood, and skulls. Corn favors close combat, abhorring wizards. They consider that cowardly. Think of like brutes, barbarics. That's corn.
0: Right. And and actually when you think of the traditional like devilish demon, like you're mostly thinking like what Corn is kind of like a, De- a...
1: Death, blood, and skulls. Right. Perfect. Yeah, it's right. So it's yeah. like, a,
0: like red with horns and kind of like devilish in that sort of way. And then there's uh, Zinch. Uh, that's a chaos god of change, fate, mutation, hope,
2: and knowledge. Uh, Zinch followers are powerful sorcerers who prefer to channel the winds of magic at a distance rather than get close to enemies. Uh, they're basically the opposite. You know, They're more of, right. uh, the sorcerers and uh, the ones that have the knowledge... Uh, Zinz is always scheming, uh, as every action feeding into his great plot that only he can comprehend. So, you know, if you work for him, you're just one part of his greater chessboard.
0: Hmm. Right. And it's all about change with him. Nothing stays the same very exactly. long. So moving on from Zinz, we also have Nurgle, the Lord of Decay, or they call him Father Nurgle, uh, sometimes, like his followers. This is a chaos god of plague, despair, disease, and death. He's like a a warm and welcoming God who gifts his followers with poxes and boils, <laughs> rashes and sores. It's it's kind of funny because he's almost like a a twist on life, right? Yes. Like a lot of people go, Oh, it's is he really about death? Not really. He's about life because you can live through all of these terrible right. poxes and everything that he gives you. So and then you also have Slanesh. So Slanesh is like the fourth main god of chaos. Slaanesh is known as the Prince of Pleasure. So like this is the chaos god of lust, pleasure, desire, and excess. Slaanesh is often in the empire might be like a pleasure cult or something could be like actual secret cultists of Slanesh. Actually, on an interesting note, just because you follow one chaos god doesn't mean you're good with all of them. Most of the time, the chaos gods are going to fight amongst themselves, just like you know, an orc and goblin tribe, it's a rare thing. Again, when chaos unites and all fight for the same goal, that's when we have giant chaos incursions where the world almost ends or in the end times. Where the
2: world (laughs) shudders in fear.
0: Right. The uh, chaos gods are just as fickle and as likely to attack one another as they are unite to attack anyone else.
1: As you were going through these, I kind of got the impression almost like the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Just you're going through these, you kind of see some of the same kind of d- descriptors when you're, you're considering those. That just kind of came to mind as, as you were going through them.
0: Hmm. That's true. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, it's kinda... <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of that, but well, I guess I'll take on yeah, that a little bit more. Yeah. i have to take a. Yeah.
2: After the gods, you have the servants of the runous powers. Ruinous
0: powers. Yeah, that's that's the word I was trying to think of. Ruinous powers. Those four gods are sometimes known as the ruinous powers, the four ruinous powers.
2: Basically you got demons. You got your greater demons and lesser demons depending on the favor that they've been granted by their god, you know, what they've done, who they've beaten, battle deeds or spells that were cast in a great way, you know, to help that god, you'll be blessed. You eventually move from the ranks from regular human, mutated to human, lesser demon. You know, as you move up, you get more more powers and more. Of a prestige with within the gods, that doesn't mean that if you fail him one time, he's not going to end you. Um, right. The smaller renditions of their patron gods, uh, you have like the blood letters for corn,
0: pink horrors. I believe that's for Zinch. Right. yep, yeah, So which, like so like their troops, and they reflect their god too. Blood letters are just demons bent on killing and spilling blood. Close combat. They got right. swords or. Right. They're, they're we're, in your face. Where, like, a, the pink horrors that, right, we talk of the god of chains, they will multiply and turn different colors and spew fire and magic. It's generally terrifying.
2: <laughs> and uh, lesser demons and greater demons, they can be summoned or called upon through magic, and uh, they're able to manifest on their own when the power of chaos is particularly strong. And by that we mean, like, the winds of magic as kind of... Maybe a stronger wave, you know, like how our sun has the solar flares. We'll imagine Hmm. that with the vortex up top. You may have a strong wave that pushes down. That's a good way. Well, they can kind of manifest themselves on this plane, you know, at certain spots, depending on the tide of of the winds of magic. These aren't really demons, but they're more the beastmen. Uh, They're often humans or other races mutated and cast out at birth, often by mothers who don't have the heart to kill their child. But then they grow up up in the wild with the taint of chaos. They form bands of dangerous beastmen warriors, and they can they can include things such as minotaurs and other fantasy beasts.
0: Right, I always find this really amazing. So when you think about it, the deep woods of the empire of the old world of of the Warhammer world in general is infested with goblins and orcs and beastmen, chaos beastmen tribes and giant spiders and. Oh, yeah, there are like elf colonies in there. and they're, <laughs> The forests of the Warhammer world are generally just a terrifying place. Yeah, it's like if you need wood, just stay with the outer fallen trees. We experienced that
1: in the, the second edition adventure that we were playing, and it's, well, you can you can stick to the road or you can go off the road. Well, you should yeah. probably stick to the road.
0: Right, yeah, and if you're going to go off the road, don't do it at night. Yeah,
1: don't do it at night. <laughs> Find a place to set up camp, have someone stay awake. And be prepared to die.
0: Right. <laughs> it's so true, though. <laughs> anyway, beastmen are a major problem in the Empire, too, just like orcs and goblins in raiding parties. There's all sorts of—anyway, a lot of people don't think about it, but if you can think of, like, if you're going to mutate a human in an animal of some kind, that's kind of how you get a beastman. And speaking of humans that worship chaos or follow chaos, you actually have the human tribes— I mentioned this a little bit earlier. The tribes up north, near more near the chaos waste, the closer you get, the more, as I said, chaos contained. And so you have many warrior nomadic tribes that serve different chaos gods. And they will literally, their chieftains will be the most uh, patron of the god, and they might have the most mutations and the most battle lust or whatever it might be that they serve. And these tribes will attack each other again, just like the ruinous powers will attack each other. They'll attack each other just as much as they'll send raiding parties down into Kislev or the Empire. They're Norn of like northern barbarian tribes, and they're always a problem for everybody, but they are, they serve chaos either directly or indirectly. Most of them do. And there are hundreds of them. In fact, we were talking, was the last episode, about the Great Wall right above Cathay. Cafe, or cafe. I'm not sure how to say it. It's like essentially built to keep out the Chaos Tribes, sort yes. of.
2: Because they're more of a threat at any time because they don't need that chaos or the winds of magic to kind of go south to a certain point. They are human still. They yeah. will calm down, take what they want. They're kind of like when it comes to the coastal areas, the like Vikings, they come, they take what right. they want, they leave, they go back to their own place, but they'll be back.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. And unless you think that chaos is just embedded into the parts of the world that are closer to chaos gates or have magical yeah. flare-ups or something, no, there are cults, chaos cults, even as illegal and abhorred and hunted down by witch hunters as they might be. Secret cults exist in all the major empire cities and all the major civilizations where they will meet in secret and secretly worship one of the ruinous powers as the god, and they'll perform rituals and stuff. It's where you'll see a lot of, like, adventurers for Warhead because it's it's ripe for adventure, right? They hide away in order to gain more and more power, and they perform more and more rituals. Or even, as I think I've said in another episode— Sometimes you think you're just joining a secret society, but the deeper you get, the more you start to realize, "Oh, this is a this is a chaos cult, and I'm in too deep now." Right. So, that's definitely a thing to think of. So, get an overall hit. Chaos is prevalent everywhere. Just like magic is prevalent in the world, chaos is present in the world, and that makes sense because magic is really fueled from chaos. Right. So, and it's a scary, terrifying thing when you think about it.
2: Uh, we'll move on to religion of the world. Religion is very prevalent throughout the Warhammer world. Every town and village will have temples and shrines to various gods. Everything to small road shrines to shrines on an ocean-going ship. Depending on where you are in the world, uh, certain gods may have a greater following in festivals and holidays and so on. They're often celebrated in the honor of various gods.
0: Actually, this is one of the things I love about some of the artwork, the old artwork of Warhammer, Right. You might think, oh, a shrine on a on a ocean going ship. Yeah, no, a shrine full of candles and everything on a wood ship, because you need to make sure you gain the favor of the the god of the sea or whatever to to make sure that your your journey is safe. <laughs> how many? Of I'd those love two- to see.
1: I'd love to see some statistics on that. Right, how what percentage of boats burned? To the ground, to well, into the ashes
0: of the sea. They obviously didn't get the patron god's favor, and yeah, they should have it. lit more incense. That's <laughs>
2: <right>. <laughs> I, I can only imagine the crazy things that we would do if there was you know the multiple gods that were actually you know you know they're there because there's wars, there's cults, there's powers. You see people. Uh, Who uh, speaking speaking of power, gods in Warhammer have power, uh, Not as much as a Chaos patron gods, of course, but uh, still they have massive amounts of power. Even mortal people like Sigmar, uh, the first emperor of man, can ascend to godhood with enough followers and believers.
0: Or, or the world could be completely destroyed and a new world could be made in your image, and we could call it the age of Sigmar. Uh, yes, that that's, is a... Uh, that's an idea. Let's call it no, the That's bird. a novel, yeah. You're reaching for a goal. Right? No, but I think that's amazing, right? So in a lot of settings, how many settings have mortals that can ascend to godhood? Right, and and sure. that's it's a weird thing in this setting that, yeah. that you can and do that, and uh, there's no like set formula for it that I've ever been able to see, but it exists. A lot of these gods will have power; they will have priests, and they're all started with a mortal person like Sigmar.
2: Speaking of priests, uh, most gods other than the Chaos ones have much more subtle power. Instead of blessings or magical powers and mutations, often the power of the non-Chaos gods take the form of blessings and healings. Which that's nice. You never know when uh, you're in battle and you, your patron god's the god of healing.
0: Right. Thank like you. <laughs> Smiles upon you. Yeah. Smiles like, upon you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And actually, the priest will often reflect their god, the type of god, right? If I'm a god of healing versus a god of battle, you right. know? So you have warrior priests that are a, a god of battle, where different sort of priests for the god of death. And who are the gods?
2: Just a little bit. We. Could do an entire episode. It's how many of these scores? Oh my so we're, goodness! We're basically just gonna kind of hit the tip, tip of the iceberg. Give give you some names of what they're the god of. For the empire, they got Manam.
0: Manan. 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 I think that's
2: right. Manamana. Manamana. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I had to. Manan, god of the sea, more a god of death and dreams. That's kind of a different one. Weird combination. Right. Uh, Mermidia, goddess of war. Rinald. God of tricksters and luck. Shalia, goddess of healing, mercy, childbirth. Sigmar Heldenhammer, uh, we know this guy. He's a god of the empire. Worshipped as a main god almost everywhere in the empire. Um, overall, without him, there wouldn't be an empire in the first place, so that's a good choice for him.
0: Right. Actually, and I, I want to point out on this, too, when, when you say worship as a main god almost everywhere, all of these gods we're lifting, they're great places for you to look in like you're your Warhammer fantasy role-playing games for different ventures and things like that. But when you go to a city, often the city or the village will probably have one god that's kind of raised above the rest. Or yeah. you know, Other gods might be, oh, yeah, we recognize that god during a specific holiday or festival, but otherwise we don't really pay attention, and the next village over might have something completely different. However, the one thing about the Empire is everybody reveres Sigmar. Yes, yes,
2: he so. is on the tip of their tongue. Next, there's Tal and Rhea, uh, lord of nature, and then the mother of the earth. Ulric, god of wolves, battle, winter. And Verena, goddess of learning and justice.
0: Actually, and I think something else I should mention, too, a lot of these religions or these gods will actually have following of, like, their knightly orders. Knight of the blazing sun, I believe that's, they follow Meridia, the goddess of war, or Ulrich the god of wolves battle. There's a knightly order for that too, and I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on it. And you mentioned like Mermidia, it was a her, right? Yeah, she yeah, yeah. She, yeah.
2: she was such a good warrior, she got risen to godhood.
0: Yeah, I think she was, uh, I want to say one of those like Astalia or Talea, one of those different uh, city states down there. She was actually a real person, kind of like Sigmar. And had won battle after battle after battle, and then went into history and then became a goddess. So it's very interesting, all of the, the breakdown of that. And we're just talking so far about gods that the people might revere in the empire. Mm-hmm. And all across the Warhammer world, there are a bunch more. Hundreds, probably hundreds. Right. For example, the elves, just to give you, again, these are just high-level overviews. If you want more, we're going to tell you, as we always do, where to go and find more information. But um, Assyrian is the uh, father of the gods for the elves, ancestor of all living things. You have Cain. Uh, Cain is the god of war, the god of murder. This is actually the primary god for the dark elves, by the way. Yes. Yep. So they, they revere Cain more than anyone else. Uh, you have uh, Isha, goddess of fertility. Kurnos, the hunter, god of nature. Hoeth, god of knowledge, learning, wisdom. Which uh, Hoeth is interesting because Hoeth is also for the high elves where their most powerful wizards study and stuff, so it's an interesting... Yeah, that,
2: that's a nice topic.
0: Val. Val? Am I saying that right? Val's Smith of the Gods. Mm-hmm. Liliath, the maiden?
2: Liliath, yeah.
0: Liliath, yeah, goddess of dreams and fortune. Morai, the crone, or Morai, Morai Heg, Heg, the, the crone. crone, yeah, goddess of fate, and then Matalon, goddess storms. And, and these are all elf gods, right? High elf gods, or, right. you know, they're they're a mixture, too, whereas in the Wood else? That's a whole nother episode about what else and and what they revere. But, you know, the dark elves with Cain, all elves kind of acknowledge these gods, at the very least, if they don't worship them. And
2: another interesting thing is that uh, these gods may have different names in other different races, but they might
0: actually be the same god. Right, for sure. So, like, a lot of people argue, well, the elf gods are the elf gods, right? But then I've read things where, well, the elf god actually came in as a human, and that was meridia for example i don't know you know some some difference of that lest they uh have the same gods that would not be good the (laughs) dwarfs, the dwarfs have their own gods as well they call them the patron gods grungy uh god of mines and artisans grimnir the warrior god and uh protector of homeland and clan all three of these were actual like the first dwarves awoken Yes, we're we're among these three, and they all had very interesting. Like Grimnir, disappeared into the Chaos Waste when he went off to go close the gate during like the first major Chaos incursion. There's a lot of argument that he may have helped the elves when they created their vortex somehow by the elves enough time somehow by battling the demons single handedly in the right. Northern Waste. And of course, they leave the story open. Yep, love me some dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and not to be undone with the dwarves, this is interesting. Halflings. Did you actually know this about the halflings? I actually learned this just recently. I I somehow never read this. I did not know. Yeah, so there's uh, Esmeralda, apparently similar to Raya, but most people are unsure if halflings actually revere any gods at all. Um, I actually read several sections. I think I was looking at the second edition stuff recently. I'm like, scholars have tried to figure out... Who the halflings actually revere, and just end up getting laughed out of town? Okay, it's like an <laughs> interesting.
1: Does it mean that halflings are uh, atheistic, and uh, I don't within th- the world, or just?
0: Well, uh, what I was reading is that you can't like Pie Week. Anything that gives them an ex- like allows the gluttony of Pie Week, one of their holidays, is is revered. But I don't know. It's
1: <laughs> I. Am I to assume that Pie Week is a week where you eat pie?
0: Yeah, but be yeah. careful. They're halfling meat pies, and uh, pretty much only leans can digest them fully.
1: Well, I, I, I intend to go home tonight and declare that the Cruz family is going to start uh, taking part in Pie Week, but it will just be delicious fruit pies.
0: Nice. Uh, one of the others I wanted to mention, too, was Bretonnia. Uh Britonia they follow Arthurian uh, sort of background legend with the Lady of the Lake. The Lady of the Lake is who they revere the most. And like I said, it's very Arthurian, the background story of Britonia. And so she has the chalice that, you know, knights quest for to get your highest level of knighthood. You have to meet the Lady of the Lake. And she is the protector of the lands of the Bretony tribes or Britonia. Uh, That's another interesting one. And everywhere you go in the old world, you'll see these types of gods and different things, and there are probably hundreds we're not even Yeah, we're just, like I said, the tip of the iceberg. There's so Mm -hmm. much more. The great part of this is it makes it so easy for this world to have depth and feeling, right? What we just explained, just sprinkle a smattering of that in your Warhammer games, and you're going to have a really gritty, good feel of what that Warhammer world is.
2: Definitely. You, you know, it's too easy to have your villain have kind of like a sidetrack story of his pa- patron god or who he's work, working for. Mm-hmm. And the opposite, you know, you could have your hero you want this god because they're from a certain town where, you know, the blessing's
1: on their farms or whatever. But Pie week. Pie week. <laughs> mm, pie week. <laughs> Esmeralda. So we've just heard an overview of chaos and of religion within the old world, but there are plenty of other resources that you can go out and find to get even more information. So as of the time of this being posted, we are fingers crossed only several weeks away from getting our hands on the fourth edition core rulebook. But as for right now, you can always go to the first and second editions to get all sorts of information about the Warhammer world. In addition, there's the Warhammer fantasy battle rulebooks. Army books are really good. Um, novels are set in the Warhammer world. There are probably what hundreds at least, would you say or, or dozens? It,
0: dozens for sure. I mean, there's several editions and probably twenty or thirty different sure. armies. So, I mean, I guess you could get into hundreds, maybe, if if you're getting all the different editions. Yeah, let's say
2: if you do it like through the dawn
1: of history. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's plenty there's
2: out there. There's enough material where you could be reading for
0: months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure.
1: So don't forget uh, Warhammer Fantasy. Wikia. Com Games workshopcom Com whfb.lexicanum.com and, of course, our friend Google. That's one of my friends. Google. The Googs. We're
0: bros. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, that's the end of our show tonight. Thanks again for joining us as we have taken you only to the edge of the abyss that is chaos and religion in Warhammer. This is our last episode in our series of episodes aimed at giving you an overview of the Warhammer world, so we hope that you found this information helpful and that it gets you geared up to jump into your next WFRP game. In our next episode, we're actually going to be totally geeking out because we're going to be giving you our first reviews and impressions on the new Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 4th Edition. Can you just say that again? Because I
1: think we we all just want to hear it again. Oh. It's finally here. Right. We're We're saying this with fingers crossed because... We hope there's no delays in uh, getting our hands on a PDF for the actual book, but it's close. It's very close. I'm going to
0: knock on this
2: so it's not real wood.
1: So I right. think it's
0: for Micah. Right. Just keep in mind, it's coming. We're going to be giving you those impressions. So, our next episode is going to be just digging in, doing a, a quick review, an overview of the new Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. And I know you all are going to be excited and playing it along with us. So, yeah,
1: yep. we intend to get our hands on those as soon as we possibly can and recording it as soon as we possibly can. So,
0: Absolutely. So be sure, guys, to tune in to our next show.
2: So, intrepid listeners, keep in touch. Let us know your questions, feedback, and even show topic suggestions. They're always appreciated. Uh, you can contact us multiple ways by checking out our website at www.oldworldpodcast.com, Twitter at Old World Podcast and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Old World
1: Podcast. Yes, let us know what you think. We love your feedback. We want uh, to hear criticisms both positive and negative. You could help us out by going to iTunes or whatever your preferred platform is to listen to our podcast and rate us on there. That's a great way to help people find us if they're looking for us and if you have friends and family who are interested or who are potentially want to get into warhammer role-playing game let them know that we're out there
0: excellente good night take care adios the old world podcast is recorded at afk games afk games is located in lansing michigan and is your one-stop shop for your tabletop and board gaming needs find out more online at www.afk-games.com if you're in the area be sure to stop in and say hi.
1: This podcast and related website are completely unofficial and are not endorsed by Games Workshop Limited or Cubicle 7 Entertainment. It is intended for educational and informational purposes only. GW Games Workshop Warhammer Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay and all associated logos, illustrations, images, names, creatures, races, vehicles, locations, weapons, characters and the distinctive likenesses thereof are registered trademarks of Games Workshop Limited Cubicle 7 Entertainment or their respective trademark or copyright holders. All original content of this podcast, including any audio or video information, is the intellectual property of the Old World Podcast and Crimson Tower Studios, LLC.